0: Mike Bentley on today. He's gonna to talk about talent management and his transition as a as an army aviator into talent management and what all it entails, what it does, and then just some of the differences in the human resources field from from the military side of the house to the civil side of the house, what what correlates, what translates, how to go about and, and make up for some of the Um, some of the shortcomings that you might have so if you're interested in human resources or you're just interested in how the field works in general uh, which I would advise as a listener out there to understand the means to transition from the military side to the civil side then then this is going to be a great episode because you know we hit a lot of key points uh, and give you a lot of key skills and tasks to to go back and fine-tune some of uh some of the information uh and and really figure out your best plan to go about and make the most successful military transition here comes mike bentley view from the skies lay up
1: lay up lay up high ho lock and low
2: Hi, Mike. Appreciate you taking time out of your out of your day today to to come out on the show and talk about HR. Uh, I mean, it's it's a conversation I've had with a lot of folks. Uh, you know, in the military, of course, everybody, you know, so to speak, is a leader in some shape or form, and they think uh, taking care of people and, and leadership naturally transition to the HR side of the house. And and there are a lot of parallels, but there's. Uh, uh, there are there's there's some other areas where where there's shortcomings as well, and I know uh, you're going to take the time and, and kind of inform our listeners out there on on what the HR field looks like from mill to sieve. And uh, but before we get into all that, please uh, introduce yourself and give us your background.
1: All right, great, Ryan. Hey, thanks for <clears throat> inviting me and and uh, and for the conversations we've had over the past couple months. Uh, I'm continuing learning, and I've learned from you and from your podcast, but. This is really something I enjoy doing. Um, I wanted to find a way when, when I got out of the military to always stay connected to the military uh, and to, to pay back on what I thought was a lot of folks who were helping me in the transition. Um, and so this, for me, is, a, <clears throat> is an opportunity to do that. You know, I, I retired, uh, let's see, now it's been September or excuse me February of 2016. You know, I, did, I was 25 years in the military. I started my career as an infantry officer. Uh, And then I uh, branched transferred into army aviation and I spent the better part of my career, 20 plus years, uh, flying Blackhawks, you know, and more importantly, um, perfecting the trade of of leading soldiers, which was always a blessing to me. I won't say I got it right every time, but um, I tried to always do what was best by by soldiers. And that's kind of the attitude I've taken as I've transitioned into the civilian world is how can I still help soldiers? And as I was transitioning from the military um, I was trying to figure out, you know, what I wanted to do. And, and, and the great thing about transitioning is there's a lot of people that want to help you. Uh, and the bad thing about transitioning is there's a lot of people that want to help you. Uh, so you really got to focus in on what's going to be best for you and your family and your situation that you're in. And you and I have talked about that uh, in the past. And I really think that's uh, something you can't lose sight of <clears throat> as you as you transition into the civilian world, you're going to get a lot of advice, a lot of a lot of firehose advice, and it's all going to be generally good advice um, and it may not apply to you. And you've just got to be able to weed through that. So um, as I transitioned, I had a lot of help. I took took advantage of a lot of programs, Um, the ACP program, which I know you've talked about before. uh, I had a mentor from uh, UPS who was who was helping me through the transition and what I thought I wanted to do. Um, and that was get into um, leadership development, that type of an arena in the field. But truth be told, I didn't know what I didn't know. Um, and I didn't know what I wanted to get into. And so that's what's really focused me as, I've, as I'm as i sitting here now trying to help veterans is understanding the language in the civilian culture of what you're going into. You know, imagine if you were, <clears throat> if you and I were to uh, walk into you know a plant somewhere and just start talking to folks we could probably hold our our own in a conversation but as soon as it went technical you know we'd probably be looking for an exit or looking for uh, somebody to interpret for us and and that's about what happens as service members are, are coming out and trying to pick up the language of what they're going to need to speak and so uh when i transitioned out and transitioned to the civilian world um, I, I struggled a lot still as I transitioned in, in what I wanted to do and where that field lied. You know, where did it where did the field of, of leader development lie? You know, and, and I just didn't I didn't have a good grasp of it. I knew in some perspective that it was under HR, but I didn't know how deep because I didn't know the, the depth and breadth of what HR is in the civilian world. So, uh, you know, I, I moved in the corporate world um, at the largest healthcare system in Northern Virginia, and, and I and I became inundated with what I wanted to do real fast. I knew what I didn't want to do, and I knew what I wanted to do, and that ultimately led me into the talent management field, which is where the where I was the director for strategic workforce and then leader development for our healthcare system. Um, and then I transitioned out of that position uh, and moved over to where I'm currently at now at Whitney Bradley and Brown, uh, a you know a 2018-19 Great place to work for veterans, millennials. It's just a great organization, and I'm a, and I take what I've learned in my time at ANOVA, and since I've been out, and I, uh, I you know I use that to work with veterans. I do a lot of work on Veterati, a lot of folks. I just you know, as you can tell, I publish articles just trying to get people to understand the language because you know there's a field out there you know training and development that veterans are uniquely qualified for, not just veterans, but their spouses, I think, are uniquely qualified to get into that field. But it's a very hard field to get into. And if you don't know about it and don't know the language, then you're gonna struggle with it uh, as you go out. So notice that I said in my run up, I, I didn't say anything about while I was in the military that I was in HR. And I think you highlighted that when when we uh, first got on, I was an operations guy my whole career. Uh, truth be told, I never really made it out of the operations field until my last assignment, where I went into the Pentagon, which was a great assignment. Um, and so I didn't have HR, but what what you don't know is what you don't know. And and as I discovered, as I entered the civilian world, is that HR is a huge umbrella. Um, and a lot of jobs that we do in the military as operators, uh, operations officers, training officers um, fall up under the umbrella of HR in the civilian world, and um, when you when I go to speak with veterans, I'll always ask this question, and I'm probably going to give it away for any uh, future veterans that I work with. But I'll, it's a great question to ask, you know. So I'll, I'll be in a room of you know 30, 35 folks, spouses, uh, uh, folks that are getting out, and I'll ask them. I'll say, you know, who works in HR in this room? And you know, if there's someone that's been in the G1 or the S, you know, the services adjutant sections, the one sections. They'll raise their hand, but but invariably not a lot of folks raise their hand. And then and then I ask them who wants to work in HR. And that the number of hands go down even less, you know, to almost nil most of the time. And then I'll start firing them up. I'll say, who who worked as a training officer? Oh, and you know, the hands start going up, this and that. And then I'll ask them who worked, who did succession management, who did that, who knows what that is. And you know, the hands are just flying all over the place. And so at the end of that, I'll take a tactical pause and I'll tell, I'll say, okay, everybody who raised their hand for that training and development um, for that, uh, that performance management, that operations piece, you all worked in HR in the civilian world. And you can just see a light in their head go, oh, so it's, it's a, uh, it's just something you didn't know. And, and everything I'm talking to you about now, I just didn't know. And so I've made an objective of mine to help veterans uh, because, by the the way, training and development, talent management is one of the fastest growing fields in HR uh, that's in the civilian world. Um, And if you can speak the language, then you can get into that field.
2: Yeah, no, I appreciate that uh, that rundown, Mike, and I'm going to highlight a few things here uh, and and then we'll kind of dive into to training management a little bit more, and maybe some of these other subsections that that you just talked about uh, to help identify people uh, or, or the skills that people have that that show that they actually are uh, you know somewhat of a fit at least into the HR field before we before we talk about how how else. Uh, you know to make up some of the, those shortcomings or those gaps so uh, a few of the things i wanted to highlight was first and i'll put it in the show notes i'll put your linkedin profile in there and yes that, that was great our first first conversation is i kind of smelt it uh when i looked at your profile but but i i really couldn't tell honestly i was like is this i don't think he's an hr guy but but man everything's saying hr 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 I man i gotta ask him if he was if he was in the one side of the house and sure enough uh you weren't And that speaks volumes because, you know, most, most folks who get out, they go for that jack of all trades. I'm willing to do anything, you know, give me the opportunity and that just doesn't work on this side of the house. Um, So in order to, in order to, to do that though, however, you really need to take a step back. And when I, I say it over and over again, and it's, it's backwards planning from actions on the objective, you have to find out who you are first. And foremost, and you have to do that. And that can be done in several different ways. And, you know, we we've talked about it on on the vlog with with uh, uh, using work breakdown structure, using fishbone diagram. And uh, but but at the end of the day, I mean, like, just go stand in front of a mirror or just go 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 write down a list of things and and see what puts a smile on your face. Uh, See what excites you, Uh, like have conversations with people and see which conversations you're kind of pulling uh, to get information and communicate over or which ones you're, you know, you're, you're chomping at the bit to continue talking about. Uh, so, and then once you start identifying what that is, then you can, then you can start putting your, your forward plan in action to get you towards that end state. And I think a lot of people just don't, they don't understand that so that they go for this shotgun blast approach. And once they do take that shotgun blast approach, Less people are willing to really understand what they want, what they need, where, what their talent is, where to go after, where their strengths are, where their weakness. So they just kind of get pushed to the side with, with the rest of the candidates. So, um, you know, that's kind of my, my thought process on, on the whole thing in general. Uh, when it when it comes to that transition based on everything you've said and, and like I said, I, ch- I challenge listeners out there to click on the link and and take a look at Mike's profile because it, it doesn't scream army aviator. It, it screams human resource uh, manager, you know, talent talent management leader. So uh, it's it's uh, an effective way to go out and, and push your personal brand out there.
1: Yeah, I, I appreciate that, Ryan. The uh... The, the, you know, let me, let me take a step back and try to, you know, highlight this a little more. So, you know, in the military, we're very, you know, we're staff section defined. So you have, and I'll use, because because we're Army, I'm going to use the Army, but I do know the other services are pretty much aligned with our numbers. So we have S1s, and those are, you know, adjutants, and they're, you know, they're responsible for, you know, everything personnel, um, you know, and then, and then we have the S2s who are intelligence, and you have your S3 who are operations officer um, S4 logisticians, obviously, and then, you know, in the S6s, commo, et cetera. And as you move into the G staffs, then you have, you have more of them, you know, in, in the, uh, in the civilian world, HR encompasses a lot of the S3 operations. Um, it encompasses the S2 because that's risk managing risk. So in the S2, we consider that intelligence. Um, it's the same thing in the, uh, Civilian world, your your risk management. So, what are the risks out there? What's the market showing us? What's what's this? So that falls under um, a little bit under of HR as well. You have, you know, we uh, you have employee and labor relations. Now, we don't deal a lot in uh, labor relations unless you've been a contracting officer. Uh, you then obviously you're dealing with labor relations. But we do we do deal with employee relations. We deal with that every day in the military. We work with that every day. What regardless of if you are a a leader all the way down to the lowest rank in the military, you're you are dealing with employee relations type things every day. And 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 spouses are dealing, if you think about it, in employee relations. And and I don't want to forget our male spouses, you know, um, my mom was a military spouse, my wife was a military spouse, and and they are often more times than not are, you know, worse off than we are as veterans transitioning. The the resources are out there, but you know, they have a huge, huge uh, unemployment rate for spouses. So there are things they can do, you know, compensation and benefits we don't deal a lot with compensation benefits in the military. You might think we do, but we, you know, the army says we're going to pay you this. You're going to get this bonus if you do. You know, you're going to get aviation career incentive pay. You're going to get jump pay. You're going to get whatever. Uh, we don't deal a lot in the compensation side, and 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 probably even less in the benefit side because that's all given to us. But as far as human resource development, so developing your people, consider that people development. You know, we we do that as leaders. Um, and so there's a whole array of things under the HR umbrella that we would consider ourselves to be maybe S2, S1, S3, uh, um, uh, a little bit of the S6 in, in, in commo communications, you know, strategic communication types messages. but they all sit up under that umbrella in most organizations of HR. You know, process improvement sometimes can get wrapped up under that, but, but more often than not, that can stick itself into. HR and and then their, its own subsection and process improvement. If you think about process improvement, you know, you start thinking about green belt, yellow belt, black belts, all those that are out there. Um, but as as leaders, if you're a leader in the military, here every day you're trying to improve a process because you're trying to make you're trying to streamline things, make it smoother, you know, get your soldiers home on time, you know, get them home safe. And we do process improvement all the time. It's just a matter of understanding the lingo and then subsequently do i need to have to be certified to get into that uh, organization so so under hr you know hr has a has a bucket of of, of things that they, that falls up under that umbrella one of those where i found that i wanted to work at was talent management and and talent management so if you think about this of a hierarchy your brigade headquarters per se is is human resources and then your subsequent battalions you know your battalions under that may be risk management but talent management is one of those and then then as you move down under talent management you have organizational development organizational development is another as a lot of what we do if you worked in an s1 shop s2 shop three shop or four shop regardless it's what you do for organizational development performance management um succession management deciding who's going to school, why they need to go to school um, those are all things that, that we practice in the military and yet and yet we forget about them because we're not aware of them I know I wasn't aware of them and then under t- under you know you have organizational development you have training and development in some organizations and then you have leadership development that's that's that in some organizations can completely separate from HR but invariably it usually sits under talent management. And then you have talent management, and we would need, or I'm sorry, talent acquisition. And we would probably need to have a whole nother discussion on what talent acquisition is because I've heard a lot of, I've seen a lot of writing where I was a recruiter, I can do talent acquisition. But talent acquisition is a lot more than just recruiting people. And so understanding that hierarchy of how it sits, then you start to tell yourself, oh, okay, training and development. I, I, I did that in the military. You would, Ryan, I think you would say you did it. I, I did it. Uh, anybody who's been a training NCO has done it. Anybody who's run a range has done training. The key to that is understanding the language in training and development. And, you know, training is just what it says it is. It's to improve skills in the job you're in now. So in the military, we would say, all right, I'm going to qualify expert on my weapon. I'm going to go to the range, you know, score a 300 on your APFT. Um, you know, uh, I'm going to go to jump school as I may get certified. As, a, as an S6 and all the certifications I have to have for commo, Um That's training in the job you're in now. Development is more apt of what's for the future and organizations develop people for the future of the organization and the employee. And we do the same thing in the military, if you think about it. We, we, we will pull people out of positions and send them to two week, four week, six week, six month, three month, one year schools typically throughout their career, and then we promote people based on their potential. We don't really promote based on the past. We promote based on potential. And so, you know, understanding that lingo, you know, uh, instructional design, and well, that's just a fancy word for saying I develop training, except you need to understand the lingo, the ADDIE model, you know, that's out there. And we follow that model in the military. So once you start to peel the onion back and, and show that to people, then it opens up the aperture to get at what you just said, and and that is, hey, I'm just going to follow and get grouped in with this group and go do this because this is what I've been told I can do. I'm going to go be project management. I can't tell how many people I've heard say, I want to be a project manager. Okay, well, what do you want to do? Project management? What field? What's specialized? You know, I, I just want to be a project manager. No, that's not going to work. And then you start to you know help them get through that uh, that uh, cro- that uh, crosswalk. And they start to understand, okay, I got to really hone in on what I want to do, right? Because guess what? HR has project management. Um, yeah.
2: And, um, and IT has project management and, and operations yes. and, you know, and manufacturing has project management. That's different yeah. than operations and in distribution and uh, uh, project management. And that's the thing. You're, you're right. Like every project management, operations manager is completely different based on the industry, <laughs>
1: That's right. That's right. Um, so I like, you know, when, when folks ask, you know, what do I do now? You know, what's, you know, what's kind of amazing? I, I, I ensure organizations have the right people, the right place, at the right time, and they retain them. And so that's talent management, you know, in, in a nutshell. Um, that's usually a good tagline. People get, they'll ask, okay, how do you do that? What do you do, et cetera. So um, yeah, you're right. Uh, I was an operator, but I also understood that, that everything I did as an operator, as we all understand, the military deals with people, whether or not it's, you know, you, you can title it HR if you want to, but it always deals with people, and, and people, human capital management is another word for HR as well. That that hangs its hat uh, in, in, in HR and organizations, you know, but leadership is leadership regardless of where you're at, um, but just understanding where things sit, I think, help people start to realize, oh, um, I might want to dive into training and development, you know, spouses, I can't tell you. you, know, Spouses are phenomenal planners of events. Just, just think back to your time in the military when the spouses of a unit planned something and got together and did it. It was usually first class. Most of the time it was better than when the military folks did it. Uh, you know, that's training coordinator in a in a civilian world. You know, that's your entry. That's entry into the training the training field. And I've talked to spouses who didn't have a clue about that. Um, and you know, so from a spouse perspective. This field is wide open, you know, training, training and development. I, I can't tell you how many spouses I know that i talked to and said, hey, you might want to look at this based on what I see your your LinkedIn page. And they go, what is that? And then when I explain it to them and correlate it to some of the stuff they did, boom, That the, the light goes on and, you know, they start hunting.
2: Yeah, uh, I appreciate it, Mike. I mean, you, you gave us a lot there and I'm going to. I'm going to kind of just summarize it here for, for the listeners. And and basically, Hey, that that's you, you have to take a look at, you know, your, your OER, your NCOER, your, you know, I'll just call it, it's, it's a resume and hopefully you're, you're keeping those bullet tabs Uh, and then, and take a look at your, your job quote unquote job description and start that, you know, start that analysis. Like, you know, what did, what did I do? I did more than just, you know, flew helicopters, you know, like what did it take? to fly helicopters. It, it took, it took managing a maintenance, managing a personnel. Well, what did it take to, ma- to manage maintenance and personnel? And you have to start breaking all peeling that onion back, breaking those layers down to what this, to the, to the small step of what you did. And then a lot, you do find out a lot of this does come back into, into the H HR side of the house. And like you talked about, I mean, uh, training and training and development side of the house, the, uh, you know, uh, source uh, uh, succession management, uh, ONTD, or organizational development side of the house. Some of the some of the communications part. I mean, yeah, we we as a larger organization have a communications department. Well, guess what? In our plant, we don't have a communications rep. That comes from the HR side of the house. So, uh, you know, the, there there are a lot of of crossover areas. Um, and one you know one of the other things we didn't highlight on is the professional development side. Is the is the ability to conduct counseling, you know, in the military, conduct counseling, use use formatting, uh, put, put together that, uh, you know, that one-on-one face-to-face interaction on what you've done, where you're going, uh, and it's it's kind of under that the training and development side, but it's also under it's it's more under that employee re- relation side. And it's just it's just another another tool for you to describe that how you fit into the HR side of the house and. Uh, you know, the one thing I highlight for me is, is as when I took over company command moving out to Hawaii, you know, we were out there doing DLQs basically, or deck landings when I first moved out there. And, uh, you know, we, we take it over a unit that was on off every other year for 12 years deployed to Afghanistan. And here we, we changed and became the spear of the Pacific theater. So we got a completely different enemy, completely different, uh, operation, uh, you know, operations and operation tempo. I mean, just everything exactly the opposite of what, what this unit had been doing and what they had known. And the easy answer would have been like, Hey, we're going to do this operation and this is how we're going to go back, go out and do it. And, uh, but I realized quickly, like, as, as I, as I, you know, took command, lost all those senior people, uh, and then, and then was left with like, you know, literally primary positions, not filled more or less, you know, those alternate positions. I said, the only way I'm, this unit is going to succeed is, is develop that breadth and depth in, in personnel development. So it became a lot of, it, it, and it was incorporated into training, right? So it was the, it was the individual training, the collective training, um, that was there to train the unit as a whole as, as a senior leader uh, when it came to collective training but it was also analysis of those individuals who are we going to spend you know time energy resourcing development and what are their strength and, and not only that but what are their strengths and what are their weaknesses? and then having those conversations one on one what what do you want to do you know what are your interests what do you like Do you like maintenance do you like you know mission planning do you like uh the tactical operation side of the house And then playing that, playing their strengths into the, you know, and their interests into their strengths a little bit. And by the time I left command, I was, I was four, basically four echelons deep uh, within my organization. And that was after turning over one time and then basically turning over a second time. uh, When I left, I had my, my, all my primary and my alternate tasks uh, filled. I had my secondary uh, people, uh, already trained and I had my third people scheduled to go to training and I had that fourth tier basically identified of, of who the backfill would be um, or at least what I I saw I was you know they were pretty junior at that point new to the company so I it was it was an initial assessment so to speak and and when I handed over command to the next individual I said now you can go out and have fun and, and do the operational and drive that change management side of the house a little bit more um and, and how to and how to fight the new enemy, so to speak uh because you have that breath and depth and that was to me like that and i didn't go in planning for it you know i was i was a working aerosol ops guy all all way you know all the way and i realized the power of of the human you know factor in the human side of a house and um you know to me that was my legacy and that's where my interest started to grow in the hr side of the house um so you so the the moral of the story is, is you you've done it, you know, and, and I, even then I didn't realize it was, it was an HR function until I came over to the civilian side and started working with, um, you know, our, our HR plant or HRM here at our plant and started looking at talent, pipelining talent and where you get talent from and how to, how to pipeline talent into a, uh, you know, small community. And, um, it, and it became, you know, I, I just kind of it all kind of hit me all at once. And that's when I started, you know, talking with our ONTD teams and and just trying to dive into HR a little bit more. So, you, you know, you do have that experience to your point, Mike, you just have to figure out how to go about and, and, and sell it. And you have to be willing, I guess, to go about and sell it. You can't you can't just tip a toe in the water uh, if, if that's what you want. That's what your interests are. You're going to have to you're going to have to go jump in.
1: Yeah, I mean that's exactly right, and and understanding, you know, from the in, in podcasts like this and talking with people, you know, like you and me, um, it, I think it helps folks to highlight. Hey, don't be a, you know, if you, don't don't sit there and say I'm not going to do something. Well, okay, when you as soon as you say I'm not, then you know you you've chopped off a whole big chunk of the um, of opportunity out there. You know, I mean, honestly, truth be told, if somebody would have come to me and said as I was transitioning, hey, you're going to work in HR. I looked at him and laughed. I said, "Yeah, no, I don't think so." Um, but as you dive dive deeper, and and like you said, um, the, a lot of what we do in the military, especially with a, as people oriented as we are in the military, mission oriented operations um, sits under that umbrella. And and you know, um, usually by the time I'm done talking with a, a class that I'm I'm talking with. I'll have more that people than not will come up to me and say, Hey, can I talk to you more about talent management? Can I talk to you more about, uh, you know, this and, 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 and I'll be clear. Um, I am not interested in the HR field of compensation and benefits, you know, that in the, in the civilian field, that is a huge piece of HR, obviously, as you can tell, because that, that deals with paying people. Um, I'm, I, I love the talent management field because it encompasses everything that we did In the civilian world you know whether or not it's or excuse me in the military world you know we had a hand if you think about it um i you know i i quite i'll ask folks hey who sent people to the ranger regiment or to to the special forces or to the 160th you know special operations aviation who developed people for that and you know some folks will raise their hand in the room and i'll say hey you you know you were you were developing folks for a strategic organization that is one piece of of succession management, you know, and, the, and, and it, the light just comes on for me. It really came on for me uh, as I made it into the civilian world. And I was like, wow, because I was doing the workforce planning, which was a lot of if, if you take the time you spent, if anybody was an S3 or an operations officer or assistant operations officer and an XO, and you join those into one big ball, that's workforce, develop, uh, strategic workforce planning in the civilian world. And it was fun. Um, And that sat under HR. So if I would have held my nose and said, I'm not working under HR, I never would have found that opportunity. I never would have got that opportunity. And then subsequently I never would have got the opportunities I've had since then. And to be able to work with talent acquisition, um, to develop performance management for organizations, to develop leader development for organizations, uh, I never would have been been able to get in that. So I I caution folks to just say, I'm not going to do something. Well, maybe you will. Cause I can, I'm going to give you, myself as a great example.
2: Yeah. So, so I'm a big, big believer of uh, a big fan of rich dad, poor dad. And it's in, and, and why I'm, I'm part of the reason it's, it's, it's just a thought process, right? Like you get, once you get out of your own head it, instead of I can't do that, it's how can I, uh, you know, and, right. and, and you just, you you find a way to succeed and you find out what you need to accomplish and, and how to get there. And, um, you know, I, I, just quickly, you know my my current situation or story that uh, you know I wanted to, wanted to talk about was was my my involvement with HR within my current organization, and uh, they they've basically the moral of the story is right. You have to be willing to sacrifice. Uh, and ensure some people, individuals can can land at that right place in the right time if they if they really brand themselves and tell the right story. But uh, you know, it, 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 to get in the HR field, uh, everybody, every organization is different. They value something different. So my organization basically hires uh, HR leaders out of eight schools with with masters in HRs. Um, they they came out, and told me straight out, said that. Now they said there is opportunity if you want to enter HR, but you're not going to enter at the ONTD. We have a small eight person team and it's just, it's just reality is it's not going to happen. Um, you know, and I you know, was working on projects with them to kind of get my name out there and whatnot. And, and, they say that, you know, the opportunity probably could be there, but what what's that timing going to look like? I have to wait, you know, X amount of people to leave and X amount of people to to, to turn over in that pipeline that's, that's built through there too. So I just entered somewhere in the bottom of the pipeline. And um, they said, if you really want to get into HR, you're probably going to have to, you know, take a step back to like an HR specialist position at some small plant in the middle of nowhere. And, uh, you know, just honestly, I was not – not willing to do that, um, for me personally. So that's, that's not to say that, that my organization is right or wrong. Uh, but I was unwilling to sacrifice, uh, in in one aspect and they were unwilling to sacrifice in another aspect as well. So, and and I I bring this up because a lot of people talk about, uh, like location and, and, you know, of course we all get out of the military and we don't, we're sick of moving we don't want to move. But the reality is, is in the corporate environment today, you, you're, you're probably going to move, and that might not be, might not necessarily be a physical move. But, but I'll use a great example: is let's say you you pick a big city so you don't have to move, and you want to move to Dallas, Fort Worth, or something like that. Well, I, I don't want to have to move anymore. I'm sick of moving. I want to plant my roots. So, so you take a job in an organization, and, and you're living in in Dallas, and in order to, you don't necessarily maybe get that that path to growth. Uh, within your organization. So you, so you get an opportunity at Fort Worth. Uh, and now, now next thing you know, you're sitting in an hour and a half of traffic or two hours of traffic, uh, every day. So now it's, it becomes, well, do I move again? And, and, and then, and then of course you pick, if you end up picking a smaller location, then, then, you know, then, then you might have to, you might have to move. And that's like something like my situation. I mean, I, I, in order to grow within an organization, I have to move away from the the 500 person plan. It's just like being in the military. You know, if you, if you're going to stay within one organization, you're not going to be the next platoon star and the next platoon leader or the next, uh, you know, company commander, the next battalion commander, whatever the case is, because, uh, those positions are opening elsewhere within the military. And that's the same way within, within the corporate world. So I don't want to sit here and say that, that, that is the way or the only way, but, you know, you have to still be willing to find out what your real true priorities and and needs are, so to speak, and and find out what you're willing to sacrifice on if this is if this or anything is really, a, at the end of the day, an interest of you because, um, you know, each organization is different and they value something different. And that being said, just because one organization tells you something, that doesn't mean that another organization is going to value something totally different. And that's where, you know, networking and informational interviews come in, you know, key to you learning your success and, and future opportunities, uh, you know, looking to get the HR field in a specific location.
1: Yeah, the uh, you know, you said something that, that, that I'll caution I like to caution folks on, and that's uh, I, I see it frequently on LinkedIn and and, and I'm very uh, I'll just say be cautious of it, and that's take a step back to take a step forward. What I like to tell people is go for what your skills translate into. Understand what you're you know, understand what you're going for, understand what you want to do. And if your skills translate, then do it. Uh, I worked with someone um, a couple weeks ago and I looked at their background and, you know, you know, we determined that I I just looked at and I said, hey, you know, you've got roughly five to seven years of experience in this field. You meet, uh, I would say you meet 90 percent of what the job description is asking for. Um, I would say, you know, network yourself, try to find more about the position. But this is about the band, you know, the band of excellence that you're in and uh he he it was got quiet for a few minutes and then i said you still there and he goes yeah he says and i was told by someone that i needed to come in at the two to three year experience and i said that's absolutely absurd i said a person and and i and i tell why i caution people to to be careful of this take a step back to take a step forward is because there you know veteran veteran employment Mm -hmm. right now i i would argue is not a problem the veteran employment is or excuse me unemployment is the lowest it's been in, in forever you know back in 2000 uh, you know 2009 uh, it was sitting up around 17 something percent you know and and since then it's gone down I think last I saw on the Bureau of Labor Statistics it was at you know three point something percent 3.3 percent over last year and that's phenomenal that's because all the resources and everything that's gone on to hiring veterans the the bigger problem and, and I think you and I talked about this before as well is veteran underemployment. And usually what happens when you start doing this, I'm going to take a step back to take a step forward is you don't know when you're going to take your step forward. See, in the military, we know generally speaking that if I come in and I do a good job, I'm going to get promoted, you know, once every two years, and I'm going to move positions probably once a year or once every two years. We know this in the mil, in the civilian world, that's not so true. So you could tell yourself, I'm going to come in and take a step back. And before, you know, it, five years from now, you're still stepping back and you haven't stepped forward. Now, you know, obviously I'm, I'm, I'm going to the drastic end of that but that's true there, there's nothing that says you're going to take a step forward fast uh, and so what usually happens when people do that is they come in and and one of the, one, one of the three things will happen they leave and they leave before they've completed a year um, they get disenfranchised with with it they're just there to draw draw a paycheck and then they get they're, they're unhappy they become disengaged. And so, all three of those ultimately will result in the veteran or the spouse saying, "I'm out of here." And and when they do that, if they do it, you know, before there's some ripple effects of that. You know, when you leave an organ when you join an organization in the civilian world, if you don't have military retirement, then you're going to join their plan, and that's generally through a 401k or something of that nature. Most organizations do not have uh, retirement plan benefit plans like we're used to seeing in the military. They just don't, they're too expensive, and so they've done away with them. So they have 401ks, but there's rules to these 401ks and that is you generally have to be with the organization in a grading process. So you have cliff or a vesting process, cliff vesting um, and you, you know, graded vesting. So that means, you know, I got to be with the, So my last organization, you had to be there three years before you were fully vested and before they, their money counted towards your money in the 401k. If you left before three years, your money was yours. But you left all the money they had on the table. In a graded vesting, you after, from one to two years, you start to it's twenty five percent. From two to three, it's fifty percent, and so and, you know so on and so on, up to where after the sixth year you are at hundred percent. So when you start getting places where you don't really want to be, and you just did it because you had to take a step back, you will leave money on the table. And if you don't have military retirement, then every bit of money that you're putting into your four hundred one k, of course, comes with you. Like I said. But none of the company money comes with you so i'm very be, be very cautious with the i'll take a stick take, take a step back to take a step forward i, I don't think i would ever do that anywhere and then truth be told if you understand what you want to do and you understand what your skill sets are and what your requirements are then you're going to be fine
2: yeah yeah so i want to uh, uh, add on to that and it's i think you you've summed it up perfectly there at the end you, you have to understand yourself and I think where a lot of this stems from is, uh, the, the timing and the, again, the timing, the planning and the unwilling, unwillingness to, to sacrifice. Um, and, and what it, I think why, why that statement's out there is because I don't, I just don't think throughout the transition process, people don't prepare far enough out and, and they end up, and they end up But but there is that there is that pressure right to to continue gaining income and 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 eventually you know I got this you know car payment house payment blah 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 whatever and then and then they just they end up sacrificing that that income so to speak. What I was you know in in my particular situation they 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 were going to give me the same income. Uh, But where I said my uh, it was taking a step back and position wise it was taking a step back. Um, but I would have been fine for that to, to get me into the the field. But to me, it was location, uh, and 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 that's where it was for me taking a step back as as I've reprioritized some things in my life. And it would have moved me. It would have moved me location wise from my end state of where I want to be to support my family even further away from there. And that's yeah. where I was. I was unwilling to sacrifice. It, it yeah. wasn't about the income for me personally. It was it was it was about the location. So, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I, if you, and I, there's a great example. I had an individual, he was, uh, this was like two years ago. I think he was an E eight getting out, uh, uh, down, down the road at Fort Campbell and said, Hey, I want, I really want to come work for you. And I said, that's awesome. I said, your quickest way in, I didn't say you're, Qualified, not overqualified. In fact, I told him he would have been overqualified. I just said, if you really want to come work for us, our quickest way in, we're we're a small plant, small organization, you know, we like, you know, it it just is what it is. Like if you just want, if you're, I got to start, I got to start now, you know? So I said, okay, quickest way in is going to be a second shift supervisor, basically a platoon sergeant. You're going to take a step back. He said, I can't do that. I said, okay, why not? He said, well, I'm not willing to to get my basically take a step back, get my hands dirty. I want to lead, you know, lead people, so to speak. And then I said, "Well, it's a second shift position." And he said, "Well, that three to eleven, that's going to take time away from my family." I said, "Yeah, you're right. It's it's the worst position. That's why it's always open. <laughs> that's why it's always vacant." <laughs> exactly. You know, uh, I said, "I got it." I said, "But but look at it this way. There's some positives to it." I said. You're not on first shift On first shift the supervisors deal with the flagpole like they have leaders and leaders and calls and leaders of leaders of leaders calling and, and push and pull and things are changing at them. I said when all the head shop goes home you're now here to to do your primary job and then you can go you can go be a rock star and you know, solve some problem you know without without all this other overlying issue he was not he at the end of the day said no I'm just not willing to do that and I said okay and then I watched him struggle for probably six or eight months and he's like posting on LinkedIn. I've applied to 140 jobs. Nobody's accepted me from what I'm worth. And it was real, it was pretty negative uh, to be honest with you. Uh, but at the end of the day, he finally landed that opportunity. That was the right fit for him at the right location uh, with, with, the, with his parameters in place. So at the end of the day, he did win. Uh, he didn't get the employment as fast as he, as he thought he wanted or or wanted to do, but he ended up landing at that right time at that right place at that right position without having to take a step back so that that's just another story of hey I was not willing to sacrifice income and and going to work and as hard as it was uh eventually he landed on his feet in the right spot, place at the right time
1: yeah and you so everything you just said highlighted what you said very at the be, uh, way at the beginning of this conversation, and that is um and you and I both hit on is um If it works for you, then it's fine. It doesn't matter if I tell you it doesn't that doesn't work for me. If it works for you, that's fine. Just know what works for you, you know, and I think you just highlighted that as well. You know, I'm willing to take risk in certain areas to get what I want. You know, I'm in a situation I'm in a situation I can do that. Some folks are not, you know, and and some folks will fall into that trap of I'm going to take a step back to take a step forward because they have no choice. Right. They they have to, they need to take a job. And I, and I get that. I understand it. Um, but in the, that's, that's very short term. In the long term, you end up hurting yourself um, in a money perspective, I think, and, and in a growth perspective, right? Cause it's just, it can stagnate you quickly.
2: Yeah. So Mike, I mean, that, this has been a great conversation. I want, I want to, I want to highlight, you know, this, we, we've highlighted a lot of the characteristics that, folks bring to the table on the HR side of the house but we did acknowledge there are some shortcomings and you know how, how can how can folks go about and bridge that gap now um, you know is it is it via PHR certifications or or where, where, where can they you know maybe give themselves and maybe not—it's not even certification, but 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 some of the labor relations, or do some studying, or just being willing to to be smart and talk. I mean, what what, what are your recommendations out there to bridge some of these shortcomings on the HR side of the house?
1: Yeah, so let's talk about you know certifications, because I you know when I was um, going through this, I told myself, okay, I need to get some uh, some civilian certifications. I knew from a perspective I had the experience. But I told myself I need to get some certifications. You know, if if I me today, if I could go back and tell me of three years ago, you need certifications, I would say, don't don't worry about it. And here's why I say that. Um, my certifications didn't help me get my job. The job, any, any job I've had since I've been out of the military has not been because of the certifications. I mean, because of any of the certifications I own. It has been because of networking. Um, you know, uh, that being said, the HR world in the civilian world is very finicky and very hard to break into. I mean, very hard to break into. So networking matters. Networking matters. You know, if you want to get into talent management, then you network with as many people as you can in talent management. Do as many informational interviews. I failed miserably as I was coming through my transition in informational interviews. I did not do enough. If I would have done enough... I would have caught on quickly that where I wanted to go was talent management. And so, so from a certif- certification perspective, I focused on getting my SPHR. Well, that's great. That's a generalist. That's a senior professional in human resources through HRCI, the Human Resource uh, Certification Institute. There's also what's known as the SHRM SCP, the Society for Human Resource Management uh, Strategic Certified Professional. And then there's the SHRM CP, which is the equivalent of the PHR. Those are out there. And those are in the general HR certification realm. You know, uh, there's programs like the uh, the Syracuse program. There's plenty of programs to do that, um, to go after that. I would, I would caution you that you will not pass any of those exams. I don't care if it's the SHRM, the HRCI, the PMP, whatever you want to put in there. You will not pass any of those exams if you do not study, you know, put maximum focus on that. You know, and, and I'm talking about. know, 100 plus hours into studying for those exams. Uh, They're very difficult. Uh, Sure, you'll pass the experience, but you need to have some of the general knowledge um, to go after them. Uh, So I went after my SPHR. If I would have been doing my informational interviews and doing some more networking, um, I thought I was networking the right way, but I wasn't. Um, And I can explain more of that later if you like. But uh, more informational interviews, If I would have been focused on what certification, knowing what I wanted them to do, I would have gone after the Association for Talent Development. And and again, I'm not a member of ATD, not a member of SHRM, but Association for Talent Development has a certification that that's called the Certified Professional in Training Development. Uh, I would have kind of went into that route right there. Back then, it used to be called the CPLP, Certified Professional Learning Professional. Um, But the, uh, uh, you know, I went went for the SPHR route. If you have the time, certifications are not going to hurt you. You know, most HR jobs, if you look at the job description, they're going to say in the preferred section, they're going to say PHR, SPHR. Uh, If you're going after talent management jobs, you may see the CPLP or the the CPTD. You may see the talent management, you know, the global talent management leader. You may see some of those in the preferred section. They also, every once in a while, maybe in the required section. If they're in the required section, then you got to have them. If they're in the preferred section, you don't have to have them, but I'm going to caution everyone. If if it's in the preferred section, the way that they look at it is, yeah, this is preferred because legally I want to keep it here, but I'm going to I'm going to grab someone that has it. Um, so if you have the time, go ahead and go with certifications. They're great. They give you industry knowledge, which is what I wanted. Industry knowledge was the you know book smarts uh, is what we used to say when I was growing up, um, and then. know I I went after it and and did that Uh, but if it's if it's a certification or networking and you can't do them both network because like I said I didn't get any of my jobs because I got I had a certification I can promise you that Um, matter of fact no one ever asked me about my certification when I went for my interview at that healthcare system it was just it was on the, it was there got it nobody cared I had it matter of fact my boss didn't have it my my uh bosses boss didn't have i mean it was just i got it it's good <laughs> that's that's the way i can uh, associate that they're great to have to get you back to so that you understand industry language that's the great thing about them they they get you smart in industry language are they going to help you get a job they're not going to hurt you but they're not going to help you as much as networking is and informational interviews and working your way in i always tell folks the fastest way to trump some information on a job description that's in the preferred area is to is to network your way into that position. Network your way into that position, and 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 the certifications and stuff won't won't matter. So from that aspect, they're good. Are they going to get you a job? No. Uh, the networking will, though.
2: Yeah. So I had a conversation, and I'm hoping to get him on the podcast one day.
1: Um, but but
2: this individual, he basically got out of the military. 11 years and wanted to move to Austin, Texas, and kind of start fresh, and he literally lived in his buddy's closet for a couple months, and he said he just hit the pavement every day and just went, you know, to Bunker Labs and some of the other, uh, MOA and some of the other veteran meetup groups around and and just, you know, digitally and physically went and shook hands and um, spent two months doing it and end up landing a job as a program manager uh, at, uh, at Indeed. So, I mean, it, it shows you the power of, of networking. And he was, uh, I think he was infantry, then branch transferred AG, and now is, is a program manager uh, for a tech company. So yeah, just totally totally different path and route, but it shows you the power of networking.
1: And absolutely. Uh,
2: yeah, and the willingness to, to drive it home and, uh, you know, uh, uh, say, how can I?
1: I, did, I didn't get, you know, I've had two jobs, um, and I didn't get any of them because of applying anywhere. I got them because of networking. Both uh, one, one of my job interviews, <laughs> I, I went in and talked to a bunch of folks, um, and I had to provide a resume after I had already been told I was going to get the job. So you I, I cannot un- understate the power of networking, um, and, and I know our time is going to get short here. But I, I, I do want to stress one thing to, to all the veterans, to anyone, not just veterans, to spouses, to anyone transitioning in anything civilian. Uh, you, one of the great things I remember about TAP was this thing called the STAR, your STAR format for how you do things, you know, the situation, task, action, result. Of course, there's many different verbiages of that, but STAR. Um, if you can correlate what you do into a star format, if you can take it and write it down and and, and, and go onto a Word document and just write your situation. You know, you have a great one, Ryan, example, your, your post-deployment, pre-deployment stuff. That's a great star statement that you could apply to everything. Um, when you're going through your interviews and when you're setting up your LinkedIn and your, and, and your, uh, your resumes, put your formats, always have action and results don't just regurgitate your oer your ncoer whatever you have put what you did and then what it resulted in that's what recruiters want to see that's what my recruiters used to look for that's what they always want to see and if you use that star format you will impress everyone in an interview when somebody asks you tell me about a time that you had to deal with a a a complex changing situation and you can take any time that you you know you may have deployed uh, anything and, and go ahead and put that into a star statement. It'll, it'll pay off dividends for you uh, as you interview, as you network, uh, et cetera. You know, I still have it right now on my computer. I have an Excel document that has 10 star, 10 star statements built out. I can take one or two of those and apply them to about seven different questions. Um, I'd l- I love helping people do their star statements. Uh, they work. They truly work.
2: Yeah, no, that's a, That's a great piece of advice. Uh, and I appreciate you sharing that uh, with us, Mike. So uh, I know we will wrap up here uh, in a few minutes, but I want to give you a few minutes of open mic time uh, with any other points of highlights uh, for you, how, to, how people get a hold of you, anything uh, uh, that you need, want people to attend or listen to or have the opportunity to learn more from just kind of floor yours for the next few minutes
1: yeah I appreciate it right and again thank you for for allowing me to, to come on your your show and and do this um, it, it's something I owe a service that did a lot for me and so I take great pride in helping folks uh, try to help them make the transition if you're interested in that in that talent management field or anything in HR you know reach out to me on LinkedIn I'm usually pretty responsive I try to get back to folks in 24 hours uh, I do have' an, I do have an, a job and so I I uh, Sometimes it's, it's not immediate response and I'll apologize up front that, but I promise you, I will always get back to you. You know, sent, you can link, you can connect with me. Um, I will generally connect with everyone. Um, you know, as long as they kind of put some sort of message in there, you know, uh, um, and then, you know, just. Hit, hit me on that. Now, there's a program out there that a lady named Lisa Spinelli does, S-P-I-N-E-L-L-I. She's on LinkedIn. She's a phenomenal. She's a mil- military spouse and, and works for ATD. And she does a program that's brand new, and it's going to come its second turn. It's going to happen here in April. I believe it's April 9th. Um, it's uh, called Troops to Trainers, and it's strictly focused on on spouses and troops that that are interested in maybe going into that training field, that development field, that talent management field. It's a phenomenal thing. We did our first one back in uh, October. We had 35 folks. It was sponsored by uh, Hiring Our Heroes and the Pathfinder program. Um, So connect with Lisa. If you want to know more about that, connect with me. This next one was going to be in person. Obviously, the virus has changed that. And so we're going to do that on a, a Zoom cast here on April the 9th. So if you're interested in that, you wanna know more about this field that we're talking about, you know, connect in with me, I can send you there. If you wanna know more about HR or just you know program management, because I'm a program manager in the civilian world as well. If you wanna know anything about that, connect with me. I love helping folks out. If you're a spouse, connect with me. I owe my mom and my wife were mill spouses, like I said before. So uh, I have a special place in my heart for military spouses. So uh, I appreciate the time and the opportunity, Ryan. Um, I use LinkedIn a lot I post I've got a lot of articles out there right now on training development talent management I've tried to do a, a talent management word of the day or a couple words of the day where I try to take a civilian term in the talent management arena and I try to turn that into you know what does this term mean um, I've dissected job descriptions uh, I've got posts that digest, digest uh, or excuse me dissect job descriptions um, hard skills soft skills so you know, it's all out there and I'm willing to help and I appreciate this. And, and listen, the last thing, uh, I was told this, I didn't believe it, but it's true. If you're a transitioning service member or spouse, it is going to be okay. I promise you, you are going to be okay. Uh, don't, don't lose sleep. You know, don't get more gray hair. I got a ton of gray hair from that. Don't get more gray hair. Don't worry, but it will be okay. Put the effort in that you need to put in to get out of this the same way you would put effort into PCSing or to you know going into your new job or to anything else you've done and you will be fine. Um, do not stress it. Uh, it's, it is unique because maybe you haven't done it before but there are plenty of people that want to help you. Um, don't sweat it and do what's right by you and everything will be fine.
2: Yeah, and absolutely, I appreciate it, Mike. Uh, and, and find a way to stay healthy throughout this time. Uh, throughout this time, throughout the your career military transition, you know, I I emphasize you know physical, mental, emotional, you know whether whether that's. Working out or doing yoga or lifting weights or, or eating healthy or a combination of all of the above, that stuff to me matters, uh, especially as you get tried and tested throughout some of these times. So um, do what you can, you know, make sure you're carving out time, free time to, to think or, or not think, whatever, whatever helps keep you uh, healthy during you know, some potential stressful periods.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Maintain, <laughs> you know, I'm working off the uh, extra pounds I gained as I transitioned, and 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 uh, you know, keep on that physical routine, that mental routine. Keep doing what you're doing, and uh, and God bless you. And and, and obviously, you're coming from, uh, you know, a, a difficult time in in the military over the past 20 plus years, and 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 God bless for what you do both as spouses, and as service members.
2: Thank you very much, Mike. Thanks for joining us.
1: Play up, play up, play up, up, hi-ho, lock and low.
0: Thanks, Mike, for joining us uh, here today. I'd like to take the opportunity to point out uh, some of the, some of the things I talked about, uh, like using the fish phone diagram. I, I did a YouTube video on that. It's a quick, about six minute video, so... So please take the opportunity. Go into the show notes, or you can go to my YouTube channel. Uh, but you can you can reference that as well to find out how to go about breaking down, you know, what skills you truly have down to the lowest level possible, and identify where your fit is. Uh, because at the end of the day, uh, when you go back and look at the show notes again and find dig up Mike's profile, you'll see that uh, you know Mike is somebody who broke down uh, human resources and all the positions that he's done. In and that, in that turned around uh, and, and launched him into a talent management career uh, when when the individual had relatively no experience as far as what we would picture in the military side of the house and the human resources side. So uh, two great examples to click on uh, out of the show notes there um, for you to improve yourself, uh, to improve the foxhole and, and make your personal brand in your that launch to that desire to end state that much more effective uh and then as always please pass this information along rate review on apple podcast and and you can also go on and share this information with your friends uh tag them in the links in in linkedin and let's leave the foxhole better for the next person thank you very much